this is what I want you to see. Even though we know God's word tells us forgiveness is not based on merit, but on grace, we choose to hold resentment, not forgiveness. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. This morning's message is part two. We started last week, How Do You Mend a Broken Heart? And today we're going to continue, but we have a little video that we want to show you first. This one story in particular has had a profound impact on me. It's about a woman who did the impossible, and it made me ask myself if I could do the same. Renee had four kids. Two of her daughters were twins. Megan was coming home from the beach one night with her best friend when their car was struck by a drunk driver named Eric, a 24-year-old kid. Megan lost her life. Eric killed both girls that were in the car. Renee lost her daughter in an instant. Megan is um, a very joyful child and had a heart of gold, beautiful, loved people, loved her family, um, just a joy of my life. And um, when she was 20 years old, on May 11, 2002, uh, my sister-in-law came to the door to tell me that um, Megan had been in a car accident and she didn't make it. You know, my heart was so broken and I looked at her and said, no, you're kidding. And you know, still looking for her to tell me that, that she's, this is not really true. That. Megan wasn't coming back home. Next thing she knows, she finds herself in a courtroom watching this young man, this 24-year-old man, get sentenced to 22 years in prison. After Renee lost her daughter, she said she found herself in the darkest place she'd ever been. This guy Eric was behind bars, but she said she felt like the prisoner. Why? Because she had all this bitterness and hatred built up towards that young man. And so, she reached out and did the impossible. She reached out to Eric in prison and said, I forgive you. The ripple effects of that act of forgiveness are still being felt today. That young man's life was absolutely changed because this woman forgave him. He said, I can't even forgive myself, and she forgave me. One by one, all of Renee's family members followed her lead, and they reached out and expressed forgiveness to Eric. So much so that now they describe Eric as part of their family, like a son to Renee. The story doesn't stop there though. Renee went to the courts along with her family and she was able to have Eric's sentence cut in half 
from 22 years to 11 years. He told me that day, the, the day of the hearing, that it didn't matter at this point. He said, you know, if, if the judge does not grant this for me, I want you to know that I am so grateful that you are willing to do this. And um, he said, and I will be okay. He said, I'll, I'll be fine. But I'm just, I, he was blown away by the fact that we were willing to go before the judge and, and you know, plead for him to not have to be there for 22 years. I was more than angry at Eric. I had so much rage inside of me, and yet the moment that I was able to look Eric in his eyes and tell him that I forgive him, you know, that was a moment that healing began for both of us. A judge and a jury telling you that it's okay to hold a grudge, you know, that's what the world says. It's okay for you to feel that way, which it is. But yet, those feelings, they're inside of you eating away at you, and, and you don't want to live your life that way. You're not letting go of what happened. You know, it is wrong. It, it should never have happened. It is not okay. It doesn't mean that you're canceling any of that out. But once you are able to say those words and truly mean it, you know, um, then you do find that you're setting a prisoner free, and the prisoner truly is you. I'm going to talk this morning very candidly. I'm going to talk to you personally because that woman up there is sitting in many of your chairs. Oh, you may be walking around and saying, oh, it's okay, it's okay. It's not. Never has been, never will be until we decide to do what she did and face. Well, be so afraid to face because as I've told people for years, you'll never fix what you won't face. Amen? If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in a lot of Scripture. You're going to have it up there. And I probably won't move around a lot today because I have a lot of information. I put as much in your notes as I could. The reason I give you my notes, ladies and gentlemen, as much as I can, is so you can go look at yourself, study yourself, grow yourself. In the book... Lee, the last years, it was the story of the Civil War giant, Robert E. Lee. In his last visit to Kentucky, he came and met a lady, had the remains of a grand old tree in the front of her house that had been devastated by the war and destroyed by artillery fire. She bitterly cried that its limbs and trunk this majestic tree had been destroyed. And she looked to Robert E. Lee for some words condemning the North or at least sympathizing with her loss. After a brief silence, Robert E. Lee said these profound words. And I want to lay this today for you. He said, ma'am, cut it down and forget it. There's too many of us who are hanging on to roots of hurt and pain. 
discomfort. This last week we started a series on healing the brokenhearted. And one of the great problems in the life of the Christian and the church is something that is hard to admit, yet so easy to recognize. It is one of the most destructive and dangerous of all human emotions. And if not dealt with, this emotion will spiritually destroy the person who has it. And that emotion is called bitterness. So I want you to listen very heartfully today as I make some statements. One, it is better to forgive the injustices of the past than to allow them to remain and let bitterness take root and poison the rest of your life. I'm going to talk very purposefully to each of us in this room. Why? Because bitterness disables. A bitter person has no true biblical love. And it only opens the door for Satan to control your life. Bitterness destroys relationships with family, spouse. It can even lead to the destruction of a home. It can lead to the loss of good friends and makes peace and harmony harmony totally impossible. It destroys any semblance of true relationship, listen to this, with the Lord. And you will not grow with a bitter heart. It robs peace, joy, and defeat. It'll ruin your life and everyone around you. Hebrews chapter 12 will be our flagship text today. Look what it says. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Work at living in peace with everyone. Read that with me. Work at living in peace with everyone. What's that first word? What's that mean? It's not going to be easy. Hey, I'm a real nice guy, but living at peace with me sometimes isn't. Just ask my wife. Work at living at peace with everyone. And now look at this next phrase, and work at living a holy life. Does that mean if you're bitter, you can't be holy? That's exactly what it means. Let's go on. For those who are not holy, that word holy does not mean pure, does not mean perfect. It means sanctified. It means I've lived a life set apart from allowing any of these transgressions to pull me down. That's exactly what it means. Doesn't mean things won't happen. Doesn't mean mistakes won't be made. But it means I choose through Christ to live above them. Listen to what it goes on to say. For if you don't, anyone who is not holy will not see God. You mean, Pastor, this could keep me from heaven. That's exactly what it says. Oh, don't you pass that on. I'm not passing anything. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. Are you okay? Somebody say amen. 
Let's continue. Look after each other. And I want you to underline this in your notes. That none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And then it tells us how this all happens. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you and corrupt many. The New King James, or the King James Version, calls it a root of bitterness. It says it this way, lest a root of bitterness spring up, it will trouble you and defile many. What is this root? And how can it defile many? Well, let me take you to another translation. Hebrews 12, the 15th verse. Look what it says. See to it that no one, it's in your notes, misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Misses the grace of God. Interesting. Let me take you to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 8 says it's by grace you are saved. Misses that grace. Let me look at you real quick. God is being very forthright with us in this scripture as he is in multitudes of scriptures. He said, I took care of bitterness. I hung it on a tree. Why are you still walking around with it? You see, bitterness, this passage is written to the entire church. Look what it says here. A bitter person is able to defile many, literally to affect the whole. So we see a person's bitterness is not only contagious, but it's destructive. In the Hebrew culture, a poisonous plant was called bitter. Ingesting a poisonous plant would be bitter indeed. Being exposed to a bitter person can be poisonous as well. Therefore, can harm or defile many. Let me take you a little more pointed. Acts chapter 8, verse 23. Look what it says. I see that you are full of bitterness. What's the next phrase? And captive to sin. Do you see the picture of bitterness here? It completely engulfs you in sin. Hatred, anger, bitterness, wrath, malice. Now, the passage is talking about Simon, the sorcerer. <clears throat> See, pastor, how's that correlate? Very simply, Simon, the sorcerer, was looking at God as a commodity to do whatever he wants. Many people come to church, and they're looking for grace that enables them to do whatever they want. Yet God said, do I sin that grace should abound? You can't have one without the other. Am I making any sense today? But God says, you have to live a changed, or the word holy is used there, which is a sanctified or a set-apart life. 
Bitterness literally refers to a source of evil wickedness within the church. I'm laying all this foundation so we understand where we're at. It's a root that can begin small and grow slow, but it carries poison. It is malignant. It is dangerous. Sin in the church must be diligently rooted out. The result of tolerating wickedness is that many will be defiled. In God's eyes, bitterness is not a small issue, and it has to be dealt with accordingly. Acts chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, but there's a story of a couple named Ananias and Sapphira, and they looked at God much like Simon the sorcerer looked at God. They lied, the Bible says, to the Holy Spirit. They chose to purposely defile, let me take the word, disregard the grace of God. And the Bible said that they fell down dead. Thank God his judgment doesn't fall quite that way today. Now, if I can just be a very honest, very transparent pastor, this is one of my greatest strengths and also my greatest weakness. I am way too gracious with people. Aren't I, pastor? I am way too gracious. You see, I look, I look at gifts, I look at talents, I look at abilities, and I will do everything I can do to take those people to the next level, to help them, to heal them. Years ago, I was dealing with a situation and somebody asked me a question. What do you do with six sheep? And my answer was, well, you heal them. You help them, you encourage them. And then God kind of interrupted and said, yes, but what do you do with diseased sheep? See, bitterness is a disease, folks. It is something that can completely consume your life. And I said, well, God, you do the same thing. You heal him? He said, no, you kill him. Oh. Why? Because disease will spread. You got to separate it. You got to get rid of it. And as a gracious pastor, I'm trying to heal everybody. (laughs) And it doesn't always work. So one of my greatest strengths is also my greatest weakness. But that's why I've got two great men of God next to me, Pastor Philemon, Pastor Ray. They get to help me see past my graciousness. Bitterness simply defined in your notes is a feeling of hurt, resentment, anger, and even hate that can build up in the heart when we have been hurt by another or some experience in life. It can be directed towards other people, but ultimately directed towards God. Because God, why would you let this happen? How many can say amen this morning? Quickly, number one in your notes, how does it happen? How does a root of bitterness even happen? And as we get through this, be encouraged because I'm going to help you to realize how you can tune bitterness into happiness. How does a bitter root 
find its place in a heart. Well, if you know anything about horticulture, if you know anything about plants, a plant starts with a seed. And a seed planted, if not addressed, will take root. If you just go into the forest and you see all of the the pinelings or the sucklings, whatever they call the little pine, you get all kinds of seeds that have germinated. Most of them will not make it. But a seed will take root, if at all possible, if it's not addressed. And then once it takes root, everything that happens is below the surface. Oh, it's been there, but it's all below surface. And then all of a sudden, it just takes off. The only person that knew it when it comes to bitterness was the one where the seed was planted. And most in this room can take you back to the very day it was planted. The seed may have been something that someone does wrong. It may have been a perceived wrong. Maybe it was planted when you were disappointed or hurt. Listen to this. It may have been unintentional or it may have been insensitive. It may have been deliberate. Either way, a seed was planted that is unseen. But I want you to underline this. If it is not dealt with, the seed will take root and begin to grow. So what we see is that the seed takes root. And then if not dealt with or dealt with properly, it takes hold. Bitterness begins when instead of forgiving, like the lady in her video, we become resentful. But can I tell you, she was resentful first, wasn't she? So it's not like you're not going to. It's not like it just doesn't bother you. But she chose to take hold of it because she realized if she did not, then a root would take hold and begin to grow. Let me state a statement. We think that the person should know what they did. But can I tell you, many people that cause hurts and pains are ignorant of what has happened. This is what I want you to see. Even though we know God's word tells us Forgiveness is not based on merit, but on grace. We choose to hold resentment, not forgiveness. Thereby, back in our text, we disregard the grace of God. Am I making any sense this morning? We disregard the grace of God. Let's go to Matthew 16, a very famous passage of Scripture. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Look what it says here. I'm reading out of the the Weymouth News Translation because I just love the way it read. If you're here and you're here for the first time or you've been coming a short time, I use lots of different translations of the Bible. What I try to do is I'm not a Greek or Hebrew scholar, 
but I do know how to use lexicons. I do know how to use a Greek and Hebrew dictionaries. I do know how to study terminologies and phraseologies. And so when I'm trying to express something, instead of me just standing up here and tell you, I try to go find a, a, a Bible translation that says it the best. And so that's where I found this in the Weymouth translation. Look what it says in Matthew 6. It says, forgive us our shortcomings as we also have forgiven those who, listen to this, have failed in their duty towards us. Okay, church, look at me. He's talking to Christians now. Remember the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. He's talking to the Christians about Christians. He said, forgive us our shortcomings. How many here have shortcomings? Okay, good. We have half the church is honest. (laughs) We'll pray for the rest. As we also have forgiven those who, listen to this, have failed in their duty towards us. Can I tell you what that means? It means Christians mess up. They're not supposed to, but they do. And then I want you to look in this line, because I'm going to explain it. And bring us not into temptation. Rescue us from the evil one. Let me take you back to Hebrews. Don't let us disregard your grace, God. We know what you did for us. Let's not forget that we're supposed to do it for them. How many has understood that passage for the first time? Do not bring us into take. Don't allow us to let their shortcomings make us a, a toy for the devil. For if we forgive others their offenses, our Father will forgive us. But look at this. Underline it, please. If you do not forgive, the Father will not forgive you. I have blessed God. You don't, you don't understand what they did. It doesn't give that, that out. It's the devil that gave that out, not God. Can you say amen? amen? So as we've already seen, bitterness is usually caused by intentional or unintentional hurt. When someone has done to us, about us, they've said something, or they've taken from us. When a Christian, I put it on the screen because I want you to hear this. When a Christian becomes bitter, look at, the, look at the screen, look at your notes. It represents a failure, a spiritual failure in their own personal life. I'm trying to help us to understand how to heal a broken heart. Can I tell you the nice thing about being a pastor? and putting sermons together. God gets to convict me with all this stuff before I ever present it to you. Anya, it's so good to have you back. Missed you. Listen to what it says. It represents a spiritual failure in the Christian's life. Not the person that did it, but your life. Why? God's principles. Say, Pastor, that's a pretty bold statement. You've got to explain. I, that's why I did. Put it in your notes. Left it right there for you. God's principles are emphasized with one vital truth. He demonstrated his love through his grace to forgive us who didn't deserve forgiveness. How can we do any less? 
How can we do any less? You see, it's impossible for us to go through life without being hurt, folks. It's impossible. We will be wronged. What is most frustrating that generally the person that hurts us, wrongs us, betrays us, they generally act like nothing ever happened. How many have felt that before? Most times, there is no apparent justice. And the person who hurt us so deeply doesn't seem to get any punishment. They do not apologize. They suffer no ill consequences. What is going on? Well, I take you to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Look what the scripture says. When a crime is not punished immediately, people feel that it's safe to do wrong. That's why people can wrong you and not feel anything about it. Why? Because God doesn't punish immediately. In, in 1 Peter 3, he said he's long-suffering because he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to repent, even your enemies. He wants them to get their heart right. Bitterness comes from many causes. Let me just read a few. Maybe you were neglected or abused as a child. Maybe you were fired because you would not do something unethical at work. Maybe you were in a company. You began a company. You started a company. And the people in the company took off and you remain. Some was promoted. And you should have been. Maybe you were betrayed by the unfaithfulness of a spouse. A close friend violated a trust of confidentiality. A partner, or excuse me, a pastor was mistreated by a church. A tragedy causing great loss happened. And you could fill in the blanks and continue on. What causes bitterness? How does it happen? Secondly, I want to quickly look at the fruit of bitterness. We see what causes bitterness, but now let's look at what bitterness can cause. Bitterness, it's on the screen and in your notes, causes the person who holds it harm. Can I tell you something about that person who harmed you? Most of them don't even know what they did. They're going on through life, not even thinking about it. It causes the person who holds it the harm. It robs you of peace of mind, the joy of life, or even satisfaction. But I left this in your notes, and I want you to underline it. Most of all, it hurts your pride is why you allow it to stay. Because as the woman in the video, if she just lets it go, that person deserves Judgment, it deserves, she deserves. And our pride won't let God take care of it because we want to see the justice. Somebody say amen. amen. I just want to make sure I wasn't preaching to myself right there, okay? 
Why is this so? Because bitterness now saturates your mind. Let me explain. You find yourself thinking about the issue and or the person all the time. They come through your mind a fleeting moment and they live there the rest of the day. You cannot get over the person or get the issue out of your mind. A couple books I've read over the years and one of them was on psychology by a person by the name of Macmillan. I couldn't find the book, but I found the quote. It says this, the moment I start hating a person, I become that person's slave. I can't enjoy life. Why? Because they control my thoughts. I can't escape their grasp on my mind. Oh, they may be out of sight, but they're never out of mind. And this is what happens when you allow bitterness to root in your life. See, Joy Bell said, if you want to forget someone or something, never hate it. Never hate him or her. Everything and everyone that you hate, you engrave upon your heart. If you want to get to let go of something, if you want to forget, you cannot hold bitterness because it will torment you. It will eat at you. Cute story I read in putting this together. A woman had gotten bit by a rabid raccoon. She went to the test for rabies. Sure enough, she had rabies. She took a notebook out and started scribbling things really quickly. The doctor asked her, ma'am, are you preparing your will? She said, no, I'm writing down the names of people I need to bite. (laughs) Bitterness has a way of changing the way you think. I left it on the screen and in your notes. You know what bitterness does? It saddens. Why? Because it's coming from a broken heart. It's coming from a crushed spirit. The things that we talked about last week. Folks, if you've never gotten a series or listened to the podcasts of any, you need to listen to this series. It will transform your life. You know what I know about bitter people? They're never happy. They're never fulfilled. They're always miserable. They're pessimistic. They're negative. You can tell them the sun is shining, but they can see a cloud 50 miles away and say, well, there's a cloud. Rain's coming. Their entire life is now seen through the lens of bitterness and resentment. The second thing that I realize is bitterness causes sickness to grip a physical being. There's a person, a psychologist once said, not every sick person is bitter, but every bitter person will eventually become sick as bitterness causes stress and even the medical field admits it ruins health and can destroy a life. Yet it's 100% preventable. The third thing I know is that bitterness can defile everything and everyone you come into contact with. Why? When you come to church and there's a great spirit of God, you walk around because you're bitter and you bring that greatness down. Oh yeah, it seems great on the outside, but just wait till you're here for a while. <laughs> oh, he seems really nice up there in that nice suit of his, and, but you know, just wait till you get to know him personally. 
See, that's what bitterness does. Understand the seed of bitterness is a hurt that is planted into somebody. Now, I'm going to say some things that are pretty strong, but I want you to hear them, please. It may have been intentional. It may have been unintentional. Someone does not mean to hurt you, but you were hurt. You ready? Sometime you've only imagined it. It never even happened. No one hurt you. But somehow you feel you were wronged. How many have ever done this? You're talking to somebody and somebody across the room that you have an issue with. I'm not talking to anybody in here. I'm putting a, a theoretic out there. You look across the room and there's somebody you have a little bit of an issue with. And all of a sudden, your eyes meet at the same time. And you just know they're talking about you. You're the furthest thing from their mind. But you are convinced in your mind. And that root starts getting deeper. Deeper. Am I making any sense today? Am I preaching at anybody? Say amen or say oh me, whichever. I got one old me out there. I heard it. I heard it. Why? Because bitterness blows out the candle of joy and leaves you, your soul, in darkness. The soil of bitterness is simply a heart that chooses to harbor hostility and does not deal with the grace by the hurt by the uh, the hurt by the grace of God. When someone becomes bitter, the bitterness takes root in the heart and grows deeper and deeper. Can I tell you that the world is full of people who have not dealt with old hurts? The church is full of people who have not dealt with old hurts. When they look at something, they look at something to criticize. When they look at people, they look to find faults with people. Why? Because in this, it justifies the way they feel. Have you ever seen somebody that would be considered hypercritical? They're critical of everything. These are generally bitter people. And they know exactly how to push your button to get you to react the way that justifies their bitterness. And when you finally blow up, they say, see, I told you I had a right to be bitter. Let's go back to our text for a moment. Work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy or a sanctified life, a life set apart in the world but not of the world. For those who are not holy, those who do not choose to live this life will not see the Lord. See that none of you fail to receive the grace of God. Let me just put it in black and white. Bitterness is sin. Bitterness is sin. And sin breaks our fellowship with God. And without repentance, we are no longer walking in his blessing or in his guidance. Why? Because we disregard his grace. We disregard his grace. Grace is defined, his power at operation in our life to live holy, sanctified, set apart. I've told people for years, 
though many things are bothersome, why do they only bother some? Why what bothers John Jaramillo doesn't bother Tim Masters? Why what bothers Philemon Watara doesn't bother Ray Henry? Why? Because we make a choice. And we forget God's grace every time we make that choice. Are you with me this morning? Here's a key. Why did I say what I said at the beginning? The church is full of bitter people. Because bitter people still go to church. They even make a semblance of serving the Lord. But their heart's not in it. They look for everything to criticize. They look for everything. Nothing quite measures up to their standard. Why? Because they're all that in a bag of chips. There is no faith in their worship. There is no trusting the Lord. Everything they do is done with resent. The Bible says bitterness is a personal sin. And the Bible still says the wages of sin is death. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Sound effects from heaven work every time. I'm waiting for trumpets. Lord, is it time? How do we overcome forgiveness? Please give me a few more minutes. I've got a lot more notes, folks. But please... With all of my heart, folks, some of the scars your old pastor carries from the church and church people would make you ask, why in the world are you even pastoring anymore? It's not my call. It's his. And that's what we do. Paul said, if in this life only we have hope, then we of all are most miserable. Why? Because people do what people do. And they don't understand that it's really themselves they're destroying. It's really themselves they're hurting. Are you with me this morning? How do we overcome bitterness? I said at the beginning, and I'll say it again. I've shared it for years. We will never fix what we won't face. 1 John chapter 1 says, If we claim we have no sin... We are fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sin to God, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us and cleanse us from all wickedness. You see how he correlates sin and wickedness together? If we claim that we have not sinned, if we claim there's nothing wrong with us, then we're calling God a liar and his Word has no place in our hearts. See, here's the problem, is we don't want to admit that we have a problem. I'm a Christian. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I'm above such stuff. Really. 
You know why we don't want to admit we have a problem? Because it's the other person that did the wrong. So why should I be the one that deals with the issue? And because of this, we feel we are justified as the person who wronged us seems to show no remorse. They don't apologize. So why do I have to? So how does God turn this whole thing around? I got several thoughts to give you. Number one, you've got to bring it to the healer of broken hearts. Jesus is the only one who can set the captive free. And just like Simon the sorcerer, he said, I see you are in the root of bitterness and captive to sin. He is the only one that can set the captive free. In Ephesians 4, look what it says. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you do be helpful and good. Your words bring encouragement to those that hear them. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Do not disregard his grace. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Look what it says here. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. In James 3, it says this, if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory not, because you're lying against the truth. The second thing to turn bitterness to happiness is forgive. Pastor, it sounds so simple. It is. That's why we have such a hard time doing it. Forgive those who wronged you in word and deed. Say, Pastor, how do I know I've forgiven them? You can be in their presence and not be bothered. If I go around somebody that has done something wrong to me and I cannot treat them like I would treat somebody that didn't do any wrong to me, I still have a problem. You hear me? I still have a problem. If you can't be in their presence, that doesn't mean you're going to be all huggy and lovey and this and that. You may be a distance. You may walk up and, and instead of just, be the, oh, hey, hey, praise, praise the Lord. How you doing? You might go like this. It's a real short one. But that's okay. It's a beginning. You can't fix what you won't face. Forgive them. In word and deed. In other words, let them out of the lock that you place them in, which really is only the prison you've been living in. Because if you don't, he won't. Are you with me? Thirdly, admit that even... After you're saved, you still mess up. Because, folks, that's all they did. They messed up. Oh, it may be blaring. It may be blatant. It may be horrendous. But they still messed up. And the only difference between you and them, they did it that time and you didn't. My Bible tells me in Galatians chapter 6, it tells us that I should be forgiving those that are overtaken in a fault, considering myself unless I fall in the same situation. You can see that in Galatians 6.1. You see, 
when we remember what he has done, it'll help us to overcome what they have done. And Luke 23 are nine of the greatest words ever recorded. Look what it says. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Bitterness devastates. Its root lies underground, very easy to camouflage. Seldom will you have anybody walk up to you and admit that they're a bitter person. They'll either deny it or they'll disguise it. The fruit you will find of a bitter person is very simple. They're hypersensitive. Everything you do offends them. Everything you don't do offends them. Everything they thought you might have done sometime is offending them. They're hypersensitive. Always ungrateful. It doesn't matter. Good, bad, right, wrong. They're ungrateful. They're always insincere. They hold grudges and grab this. They're very moody. You say, Pastor, you just described two-thirds of the church. What are you doing? (laughs) Think about it for a second. These are fruits of bitterness. Listen to me. It may not be something audacious. It may not be something that is just so, so insurmountable. You cannot get around it. It may be a little seed that has taken root. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? That's the difference. That's the difference. Bitterness will affect you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And understand, as I've already stated, when your heart is bitter, God is no longer real to you because you're looking at everything through this this lens of hurt. Why? Because hatefulness and holiness can never dwell in the same heart. As the worship team comes, three things. We have to let God expose it. You have to let God expose it. Some people say, I know my heart and there's no bitterness in me. Well, then you know something God doesn't know. Look what the scripture says in Jeremiah chapter 17. The heart is deceitful above all, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Oh, God does. But how can we? See, a deceitful heart cannot diagnose a deceitful heart. You need to let God, through the Holy Spirit, do radical surgery. Let God expose it. Okay, God, I've been hurt. God, I've got these issues. i got this stuff. i got to deal with it. Come clean. Secondly, let grace disclose it. Bring it to the forefront. Let it see there is no other option. You see, our response to bitterness is never right when we feel we have been wronged. We need God's grace. If we admit it and forget it, then by God's grace, we can bury it in the sea of God's forgetfulness. You see, justice is God giving us what we deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. But grace 
is God doing what we don't deserve? The third thing is let good dispose it. This is why the Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness. Set yourself apart from this. Don't let that root grab a hold. Because without such, we cannot see God. You can't sit back and say, well, pastor, you've got to look at what they've done. I'm not going to let them off the hook. Well, they are not really the ones on the hook. Now are they? Because when you forgive, you set people free to realize only that one of them was you. I want to take a moment this morning and as we did last week I want to ask you to be very vulnerable I was asked pastor why do people have to come to the altar they don't well then why do they because they haven't done anything to change out in the chairs the Bible talks about a step of faith stepping out in faith that God can step in in fact you're here today and you're holding on to bitterness you're holding on to a seed that was planted I don't know how long ago it's time to do something about it don't you think it's time to let the only one that could possibly heal you heal you and his name is Jesus if today God's word has challenged your heart maybe God's word has shined a light on a part in your life that you've been holding you've been hiding God said do you really want to be set free it's time to give it to me Jesus said it's time to give it to me he is the healer of the broken heart I want to open these altars as the music's playing if that's you quickly be vulnerable be very bold and say no more I'm not going to do this and we need somebody to be the first one we need somebody to be the first one Would you come? Would you come? Altar team, would you come with them, please? Do not sit in your chair. Bring that bitter root. Bring that bitter seed. Bring that bitter pain, that hurt, that sorrow, that anger, that resentment. Bring it and leave it at the only place that can transform your life. And that is the altar of Calvary. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? The author of salvation. Listen to this. He rose. He conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Let me talk for a second. Softly, please, music, softly. Let me talk to you. Maybe you're not coming out of your chair. Maybe you're sitting here thinking. Well, Pastor, I don't have to. You're right. But I know some of you, and some of you really need to. You say, Pastor, why? Because the only one that's really hurt is you. And I want you to carry the hurt. I want you to carry the pain. I want you to carry the bitterness. you got to get rid of it. you got to let it go. If that's you, come. Say, Pastor, that's showing my weakness. Paul said, in my weakness, through him I become strong. So would you come? Would you give it to him? 
Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.